0: This is tape number 14 of Dr. Joel Hunter's series, Faith from Heaven to Earth. The subject of his message is Faith and Preparing for Marriage. And from the New American Standard, Dr. Hunter's text is found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, and it reads as follows Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to the virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom, and five of them were foolish, and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, saying, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. And the door was shut. And later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered and said, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert, then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. And now, let's join in for praise and worship, followed by Dr. Joel Hunter's message, Faith and Preparing for Marriage. Message number 14 of the series, Faith from Heaven to Earth. Well, you're going to see the uh, worship team transformed
1: into wedding attendance right now. And the site for communion... Transformed into a wedding chapel because uh, uh, we've got a, something special for you tonight. Let me give you the context of what we're doing in case you've forgotten. We've been talking all year about faith, and we began talking about the destination of our faith, which is heaven, because we believe that the life that God wants us to live in heaven, He literally retrofits into us down here on earth we don't believe we're being made from behind we believe we're being made for the future from the future so we started with heaven and then we talked about how God builds faith through discouragement and uh, struggle and then we talked about how God wants to to um, transmit that faith from generation to generation and now In this last part of the year, we're going to be talking about how God builds faith into our most everyday and most personal relationships. If you're missing the pattern here, by the way, that's the exact pattern of the Bible. Starting off with paradise, going to the fall, then to the call, and then every day. And so, um, tonight, we start off with these relationships. We thought it would be uh, great um, to... uh, talk about the anticipation of marriage. And uh, because as the bride of Christ, we anticipate being married fully to him someday. And so, uh, as you will see, God patterns our physical lives to mirror our spiritual lives. Well, when we were talking about this, um, a few weeks ago in in the worship committee, somebody had remembered a Broadway show This is a totally secular show, of course, but it was a Broadway musical. It was a comedy about marriage. And there is a certain segment in this comedy that uh, pictures a bride on her wedding morning who has suddenly realized she is not prepared to be married. And as you will see, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, not being prepared. And it absolutely panics her. I mean, she is petrified. And she's thinking every way she can to get out of this thing. Uh,
2: Watch.
3: Is everybody here? Because if everybody's here, like thanks. Thank you all for coming to the wedding. I'd appreciate you going even more. I mean, you must have lots of better things to do. And not a word against to Paul. Remember, Paul, you know the man I'm going to marry, but I'm not because I wouldn't ruin anyone as wonderful as he is. Thank you all for the gifts and the flowers. Thank you all. no, back to the shower. Don't tell Paul but I'm not getting married today. Ritual where everybody promises fidelity forever, which is maybe the most horrifying word I've ever heard, and which is followed by a honeymoon where suddenly you realize you've settled with a nut and to kill me, which you should. Thanks, no punch, but I'm not getting married, go have lunch, but I'm not getting married, you've been grand, but I'm not getting married, don't just stand there. I'm not getting married, and don't tell Paul, but I'm not getting married. You. It isn't only Paul would be ruining his life You know, we'd both of us be losing our identities I tell it from my analyst about it And he said to see him Monday But by Monday I'll be floating in the Hudson with the other garbage I'm not well, so I'm not getting married You've been swell, but I'm not getting married Near the halt. So if I'm not getting married Don't tell Paul, but I'm not getting married Thank you Paul, but I'm not getting married today. So you know I adore you all, but why won't you die? I can find on the ice. Look, perhaps. I'll collapse in the abs right before you also take back the cake, burn the shoes and balls alright. right. Look, I didn't want to have to tell you, that I may be coming down with hepatitis and I think I'm going to faint. So if you want, to see me saying do it halfway, but wouldn't it be funnier to go and watch a funeral? Thank you for the 27 dinner plates, 37 butter knives, 47 paperweights, 57 can holders. I am not getting married, but I'm not getting married. See, I'm not getting married. so I'm not getting married. Yes, i pray that I'm not getting married.
1: Well, just in case you're curious, she does get married that day in the play, but I hope you're even more curious than that. I hope you're curious about what the scripture says about being not prepared. I hope that's why you're here. If you would turn with me, if you have your scriptures with you, to Matthew chapter 25, we will proceed with the analogy of the wedding that Jesus gives in accordance to the kingdom of God. Starting with the first verse, Jesus says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no other oil with them. But, when the, prudent took, but the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lands. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, let me add to your knowledge about the procedure of a, of a, a, a Jewish wedding back at this time. After the proposal was made, if the bride drank the cup, then the groom went to build a house for her, very often on his father's land, or maybe even extension on the family's house. Now, no one knew how long that would take. And so they just had to wait until he got done. That, by the way, is the image that Jesus gives us as we are waiting for him. In John chapter 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. See? So Christ is the bridegroom in that that passage, and we are the bride waiting. And while he was delaying, now there is an approximate time that he gives when he he sends word he's almost done, you know, he's going to come, you know, around this time. Typical third world Middle Eastern around this time, this time ish. And so they get ready in this, and there's this great processional, you know. That's, that was cool too. They got all these attendants together, and they'd march the bride and the groom back to this house that he just built, and they'd party for a week. It was great. They wouldn't have missed it for the world. So the question isn't, are they willing? The question is, are they prepared? Look at this. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout behold the bridegroom come out to meet him then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps now this is how you trim a lamp you, you, uh, you take the, uh, the part that's burned off that broad cloth wick and throw it away and you pull the rest of the wick up now when you pull that wick up you can see how much oil you have according to how brightly the flame burns and that's when the foolish discovered they didn't have enough oil because their flame was still little, real tiny It says, And the foolish said to the prudent, Well, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, saying, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Now, this seems stingy. It's not. It's wise. They didn't want to ruin the entire wedding procession. They still had a long way to march. They didn't want to to run, everybody run out of oil, and them have no, uh, no light at all. So they said, No, we can't. Instead, they said this, Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, I want you to remember those words. Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut. And later the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered and said, truly I say to you. I do not know you. be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. This passage is about preparing for the good. I don't know why it is that we're so apt to prepare if we get panicked enough if 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 a a a, a, a hurricane's coming, you know and it's impending and everybody starts to prepare. Uh, but But somehow, in our mentality, uh, the good that comes will just be prepared naturally for that. you know when it comes that 's great i 'm ready no you 're not. The good takes at least as much preparation as the bad. The Bible says often that God is prepared to bless us. But he blesses us in the proportion that we have prepared to be blessed. Now, if you have any doubts about that, turn with me to uh, 2 Kings. And I will show you three times in as many chapters that principle. 2 Kings, if you have your scriptures with you. First of all, let me give you the first situation. These people are dying for water. They want water. There's a drought in the land. And God wants to give them water. But first, he wants them to prepare for the gift. How? By digging ditches. He wants them to have something that will receive the gift. Now that makes sense, doesn't it? I'm not going to give you water and just have it run off. I want you to prepare. I want you to receive the gift. And so look at what the, the, the uh, prophet says in verse 16. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. (laughs) I didn't think you got that. (laughs) And he said, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of trenches. For thus says the Lord, You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you shall drink both you and your cattle and your beasts. In other words, God says, I want you to bless, I want to bless you, but in order to receive my blessing, you're going to have to prepare for it. You're going to have to have the faith ahead of time that says, look what I'm doing in order to receive what I know you're going to give me, what I know you've promised. You see, that's what Hebrews 11.1 means when it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. You haven't got it yet. You're just hoping for it, but yet there's a substance there. There's something there. It's the evidence of things not seen. It's not here yet, but there's evidence. There's something happening now in anticipation. God says, I'm going to bless you. But I want the evidence that you're ready to receive my blessing. Look at the next chapter. Chapter 4, there was a widow. She didn't have much oil, just a little bitty vial of oil. And God wanted to give her oil. And so he said to the prophet... Have her prepare. Look at what the prophet says to her. Verse 3. Go, borrow vessels at large. That is all over the place. For yourself, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and do not get a few. In other words, get as many as you can. And so she went, and she got all of the vessels, and God gave her All of the oil. How much oil did he give her? He gave her exactly the amount that she had prepared for. He gave her exactly what she had the capacity to receive. And the only time the oil stopped is when the capacity was full. Look at this, verse uh, 6. And it came about that when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, "'Bring me another vessel,' And he said to her, there is not one vessel more. The oil stopped. God wants to bless us. And he will bless us in proportion to our preparation for that blessing. Again, I'm going to give you one more example. We'll look at the next chapter, chapter 5. Naaman is the captain of the army. He has a major problem. He's a leper. And he wants healing. Can you imagine how hard you'd pray for healing if you had leprosy? Well, God has healing for him. But he wants him to prepare for that healing. And so he gives him something to do. He says, go, go, go dip in the Jordan seven times. A muddy old, muddy old river. Go dip in it. That's all you got to do. Prepare for my healing by dipping in the Jordan seven times. That's all I'm asking. And Naaman didn't like it. He didn't like it one bit. He was He was frustrated because of that because of the, uh, the way he put it the, he didn't even, Elisha didn't even come himself he sent a messenger the prophet of God didn't even say it himself Elisha sent a messenger saying go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean and he just fussed and fussed and while he fussed he remained a leper but when he prepared in the way that God told him to prepare what happened? look at verse 14 so he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. (laughs) Well, the principle of all of these passages and more are this, that God has something for us, but he wants us in faith to prepare ourselves for what he wants to give us. You see, it's not a question of our willingness to be blessed. You'd have to be an idiot not to be willing to be blessed. It's a question of our actual preparation to be blessed. All of the virgins went out, but only those who had enough preparation to outlast any delay were the ones who were blessed. Now, I know some of you who are frustrated because... because these delays are taking so long and, and there could be logically several reasons for a delay it, it, you know God has times and seasons and, and I don't want you to think anything I say tonight I want you to have accurate theology we cannot manipulate the times and the season by our action we cannot manipulate those but we can prepare for those and so logically thinking there, there could be a couple of things holding up the process One is that the other person isn't ready. And the other is that you're not ready. And if you're not ready, you better get ready. And so that's what we're talking about tonight. Now, why does God delay by design? Why would he take the time and make us wait? Because the delay is always by design. Watch this. To give us and to build in us what we're going to need For the promises He gives us. You say to yourself, Man, Hunter, you forget what it's like being single. You forget what it's like not laying in somebody's arms every night. You forget what it's like longing to be loved. You have to have so much patience to prepare yourself for something you can't even see. You just want. It requires so much patience. Well, let me ask you. The married couples in here. Does marriage require any patience? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. You see, God's simply building up before marriage exactly what you're going to need after marriage. I know some of you are waiting for kids. You say, boy, I sure got to be patient waiting for these kids. You're going to be saying that when you have ten kids. Man, I got to be patient waiting for these kids. Because, they're, you're, you're, you know... God gives us time to build into ourselves what, he, what, will, what will help the relationship, the promises fulfilled later on. And so therefore, let me give you tonight, just very practically, three ways to prepare for the fulfillment of a relationship. And I do this on two levels because I want you to see how God works God put this whole world together so that if we did right in the flesh it would prepare us spiritually and so for some of you, some of you single people I'm going to admonish you now not to wait until you get married in order to prepare for it I know so many single people who say look, I'm a single person now I've built my life as a single person a single person has to think like a single person when I get married, I'll think like a married person no you won't no you won't the change doesn't happen like that. Now, that takes a long time of preparation. So I'm going to give you... I'm going to, give, and, and, and I know Christians who say, Look, I live uh, like, like God's distant right now, but when, when God comes close, I'm going to live like He's close. No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll have the same mentality you've always had. So therefore, the preparation that I'm about to tell you is the same whether you're looking for a spouse or looking for the Lord to come again. It's just as valuable. Both of us are the bride-elect. Okay, here we go. First of all, the scripture would say, prepare yourself physically. You know what? There was a preparation of the body for marriage. I know people who think that our bodies are just a vestige for our spirits. No, they're not. Our bodies are important. God gave us bodies that would have a giant impact on us, mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Our bodies are important. We cannot ignore our bodies. And so if you're going to prepare for a relationship with the future, you've got to prepare your body. And you've got to prepare it in two ways. First of all, you've got to keep your body pure as a gift for that one who's coming to you. And I know you're looking at me and say you're a little naive here, Reverend. You know, it's too late to keep my body pure. No, it's not. Not if you believe First 1 John 1, 1.9. Not if you believe that if you're faithful and if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know what? If you took communion tonight and your heart was in that communion, you are pure right now. Body, mind, and spirit. You can keep yourself pure from now on as a gift to the one who is coming. And you know what? It wouldn't be a bad idea to kind of clean your act up a little. Spruce your body up a little bit. It wouldn't be a bad idea. I, you know, I think Jesus is going to come back someday and say, what in the world did you do with the body I gave you? <laughs> you know? It, what, what What's the deal here? Now, now, I'm not talking about everybody weighing 105 pounds. I, I, you know, I know that people have different metabolisms. I'm saying there's there's something that that honors a relationship when you do the best you can with what you've got for who you want to love. The best you can with what you got for who you want to love. I remember a a young gal in my in my first church out of seminary it was a little. Old. It was a it was a merger of three churches southern indiana heart of Klux clan country and we merged an old retired railroad congregation blue collar and, and, a, and a small country congregation and a black congregation and buddy we had a ball it was great and i remember a young uh, just delightful about 16 years old young pretty black girl in that in that uh, uh congregation and she came into church one morning and i said oh gail you just look beautiful this morning she said well thank you reverend she said, uh, this, I just wore this last night, so I thought I'd wear it this morning. I said, you wore that last night? I, I knew that she didn't have much of a dating life, you know, yet. And she said, yes, I did. I said, did you have a date last night? She said, well, yeah, kind of. I said, come on now, you know. <laughs> what do you mean kind of? Tell me about it. She said, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. She said, every Saturday night, I get all cleaned up. And I get I, I put all my makeup on, so I look as pretty as I can possibly look and I put on my very finest dress and then I just go be with Jesus that just knocked me for a loop here was this young girl fixing herself up for a date with Jesus she'd go in and read her scriptures and she'd talk with Jesus and she wanted to look as good as she possibly could that spoke volumes to me about her reverence for Jesus Christ. Of course Christ will accept us however we are. Of course he will. But there is something that, that, that honors a relationship when we do the best we can with what we've got for who we love. Secondly, it's so important to prepare yourself mentally and emotionally for a relationship. It's different living in a partnership than it is living single. Very, very different. It takes a lot of practice. And you know what? You can start practicing now. As a matter of fact, now is the time to practice. I'm not talking physically, of course. I'm talking by by training your mind every day to get up and not think, okay, what am I going to do today? What's good for me? What's going to pay off in my life? I'm sorry, talking about training. Your, start thinking about others right now. What will I do today that will honor somebody else, will lift up somebody else, that will be a support to somebody else? You can do that long before you get married, and you're better. Let me tell you why. That old football coach one time, boy, he was a whale of a football coach. He, he just whipped a bunch of ragtag, no-nothing, lightweights into a championship team. And here's how he did it. Here was, his, here was one of his main things that he, that he planted in our lives that has lasted in me Forever. We used to go into practice and just goof off, you know. You know how football players are. They just, you know, kind of throw water bottles at one another and trip the manager and, you know, goof off and, you know, deep pants each other and all that kind of, you know. And uh, he'd come in and and, and at the the very beginning of the season, he'd come in and say, boys, I want to tell you something. You will play on Friday night exactly like you have practiced all week long. You, and he was absolutely right. You will play on Friday night exactly how you've practiced all week long. And then he said this, which was even more profound. Boys, let me tell you this. You will play in a championship game exactly how you've lived all season long. Do you hear what he just did? He took it out of the realm of simple football skills and put it into the realm of all of your life. And he was absolutely right. You know, I always get tickled when people ask me from time to time, especially seminary students, you know, how long does it take you to uh, make up a sermon? And I know what they're asking. They're asking how long do you have to study your sources every week and how long do you you take in, in research and all that kind of stuff. But... The answer to that question is about 120 some hours a week. Because every waking moment of my life is the message, is the sermon. You know why? Because God cares every bit as much about my heart as my head. He cares every bit as much about what I do in my most private times as he does how hard I study the books of the Bible. He knows that when I get up here to speak to you, it is not my words that will stick, it is my life that is anointed. And I want to tell you the exact same thing about your marriage or your potential marriage. It is not whether or not you know how to be a good wife or how to be a good husband. It is not whether or not you know the proper rules or whether you think enough to do something for somebody. When you get married, you are the gift. It's not what you do, it's not what you think, it's not what you say, it's you. And so the preparation, the mental and emotional preparation, is not something where you read a lot of books. It's where you make your, your life a gift to them. That will be the blessing to them. And then third, and this is how you do it, the spiritual preparation. I mean, the spiritual preparation covers all the rest of those. But just, just for the sake of, of, a, of a, a discussion, let's talk about keeping ourselves free from sin. Let's talk about cleaning up those areas that we don't think are necessary to clean up right now. I hear people say, you know what, I've got a couple areas in my life that, uh, you know, got to go when I get married. and I'll I'll clean them up when I get married because I don't want them to hurt my wife or my kids Uh, I will have a motivation then and it's true that many of us will will clean up areas of our lives for love of other people that we would never do for ourselves but let me tell you something let me tell you a really uh, important truth what you are doing right now will have an impact on that relationship later Satan has that as an entry point, and the longer you keep it, the more powerful entry point it has to your future relationships. Let me give you. Let me give you an illustration, just a visual illustration. This is a true story. Uh, a, a, a man, uh, at a given point in his life in South America, had always had a dream that he would. Uh, uh, build a house for his family. He had this, had this family, loved his family, and, and, and it was really uh, his dream to give a house to his family so that they could all live in together and so on and so forth. So he was a poor man, and he scrimped and he saved, and he finally got enough materials, enough money, somebody, that he was going to, to build this house. And, and he built the house, and, and they all moved in together. and Oh, man, it was great. He absolutely loved it. And they were all happy. And one day a stranger came along. He liked the house. Looked at that house, liked that house. And he went up to the man and he said, You know what, I, I, I like that house. I, I want to buy it from you. The man looked at him and said, Not for sale. I built this for my family. It's a labor of love. And I, I, I just couldn't sell it. It's a part of our lives. The man says, I'll give you $300 for it. Now $300 at this time in this place for this house was a very good price. And he didn't even hesitate, he said, "Nope, I'm not selling, no matter what man went away and came back the next day. He said, "I thought it over. I really want that house now. you know he wanted it even more because it wasn't for sale. He said, uh, "I'd give you four hundred dollars for it." He said, "No I, I really this is this is part of my family. this is part of our dream together. I'm not selling." Well, the stranger set his, his jaw you know uh, you know, just firm him and he started looking around the house and he noticed that over the doorway there was a nail that wasn't really driven in all the way it hung up for about an inch and and it was right over the middle of the threshold of the door and he he spotted that nail and he said "Uh, okay, okay, okay he said I tell you what sell me that nail right there the man said you want to buy a nail he said yeah I want that nail right there he said "Uh, "Well, that sounds kind of fishy no I, I don't even want to sell you a nail he said I'll give you $50 for that nail he said, you'll give me $50 for a nail? Man, I'll go get it for you. The stranger said, no, no, just leave it right where it is. Here's your $50. He took the $50. $50 for a nail. The next day, the stranger came back with the carcass of a dead animal. And he hung it on his nail. And that dead animal hung over the threshold in the middle of that door and rotted day after day week after week and every time that family went in or came out of that house they had to pass by the maggots and the smell and the flies as a matter of fact the smell invaded the entire house until finally the man went to him and said "Okay, you win I'll sell you the house for $400 the stranger looked at him and said nah the price is now a dollar. Let me tell you a, a spiritual analogy to that. You think that you've just given Satan just one little area of your life and it's not hurting anybody? I want to tell you this. It can ruin your family later on. It can ruin... You got to, you've got to get rid of that. Here's the theological truth. If you, I don't care what bargains you've made. I don't care how you come to think of yourself. If you belong to Jesus Christ, every bit of you belongs to Jesus Christ. And Satan does not own anything in your life. And therefore, the only right he has is entrance you give him. Clean it up now as a provision for your family later. Don't let that be a stronghold that Satan comes back and says, Ah, that's my area right there. Don't you do it. You know that area right now. You get rid of it right now. You repent of it right now. And it will be a preparation for your wife and your children later. And those of you who are married, that is the preparation for the coming of Christ. Keeping ourselves pure and unblemished through His forgiveness. Through repentance. Now, I'm going to quit, but... Some of you are sitting there and saying, okay, I'll do that stuff. But how long is it going to take? I don't know. I wish I did. Some of you think you know who you're going to marry right now. Some of you haven't got a clue. And I can't give you the timing, but I can tell you this. That preparing for that person and those of us who are preparing for the Lord coming back is the best way we can live our life, no matter how long it takes. There's one more story, and then I'll quit. There's a there's a uh, uh, story, and a true story of a of an expedition party that was at the South Pole. About a dozen of them, and uh, and this expedition party uh, had a supply ship, very uh, you know ice cutter supply ship, and and uh, so they were dropped off the expedition party and they went back uh, to rendezvous and get some more supplies and when they did that as soon as they left there was this horrible uh, blizzard, ice storm that absolutely closed up the water pathway to them and so the boat was him- hindered in getting back and they-, and they couldn't get back for days and then weeks and then months and when they finally had cut through the captain of that ship did not know whether he'd find them alive or dead, did not know whether they would be insane from panic, did not know whether they would be scattered all over the place, how how many of them would be alive. And when they finally got to that expedition party, every one of those guys was standing at attention, ready to board the ship. The captain got off the boat, went to the commander in charge and said, how in the world did you do this? commander looked at him and said captain i have served under you many years and i know your character and when you said you'd be back for us i knew you'd be back for us and so after a couple of weeks every day i'd get up and i'd say to the men the captain said he's coming back he may be coming back today. We've got to get ready. And boy, we'd clean ourselves up. We'd get shaved. We'd put our uniforms on, and we'd get we'd tuck out all our gear and just we were just ready to go. And we didn't come at night. We'd break it all down again, make camp again. And every morning I did the same thing. Captain may come be coming back today. Let's get ready. Everybody did. and you know what, Captain? Knowing that you would come back and preparing for your return gave us something to live for and gave us something to live by. In a way, how long the delay really doesn't matter. It's the best way to live. Preparing for the fulfillment of the relationship that God started in your heart. Gives you something to live for. Gives you something to live by. Well now, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to have a real practical application tonight. Then we'll leave. I want for us as a church family to pray For all of the single people in this sanctuary tonight who believe that God may have a spouse for them someday. We're their family. We can stand with them on this. And we can dedicate them to their proper preparation. So let me ask you this. If you're a single person, I don't care how young you are. If you want to get married someday, I don't care how old you are. You want to get married someday? And you are willing to prepare your life starting tonight for that person, no matter how long it takes, I want you to stand up right now, and we're going to pray for you. Good, good. Come on, come on. Get up. <laughs> Popping up. That's great. Ooh, there's a lot. Oh, good. We want. We want. We want to help you prepare. Now, those of you who are around them, just have access to them. If you would just lay your hands on them, just as a part of the congregation, and, and here, we, I, I, let me let me help us pray for them together. God, these people who are standing up are dedicating themselves to preparing for the spouse you have in mind. God, many of them don't have a clue who that could be. But it really doesn't matter. Because whether they're preparing for a person or Jesus Christ coming again, it's all the same. Help them to keep their bodies as gifts, pure and holy to the one who you will bring. Help them to prepare themselves mentally by thinking every day about others. Help them to prepare themselves spiritually by rooting out all sin and repenting as often as they need to in order to be a wonderful gift to that one you're bringing. And Father, we would not be remiss not to pray for that one that you're bringing tonight and not to to exhort these people to pray for their future spouse every day to say, Lord, keep them safe and bring them to yourself and help them to prepare for me even as I prepare for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, second prayer is for those who want to prepare themselves for Jesus coming again. So would you stand up and I'll pray for all of us. Everybody who took that cup and said, yeah, you know, I want the bridegroom to come on back. Let me pray for us. God, we would say the exact same thing to you. Help us to dedicate our bodies to your use and your glory. To to prepare for you in a way that pleases you and honors you. Help us to think of you not in a way that is distant, but think of you every day in our everyday deliberations so that we can train uh, to be yoked with you, Jesus. And thirdly, Lord we ask you through your sacrifice to wipe every blemish, to, to bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit and to, to not, help, not let us have a long list of saved up sins. Help us to get rid of them as soon as we recognize them so that again we can be a gift that honors you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now may the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and keep us all till that great day. Amen.